for all my listeners, all the people I know, all the people I love, everyone that takes time out of their day to listen to this, I want to make something crystal clear. I want to make sure you understand this and know this. If something were to ever happen to me, if you ever were to hear a story about my demise, please know I was not resisting. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Relatively Normal. I am your host, Mark Paisant, and I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're surviving. I hope you're just getting on, just getting through all this. We've had a tough couple days, tough couple weeks on top of living through the pandemic. As a black man, not going to lie, it's been tough. It's been extremely tough. The ongoing trial of Derek Chauvin, the accused killer of George Floyd. I say accused because, you know, for those who know, you know why we have to say accused. But it's, I hate having to do these shows. I really do. My mental has been all over the place lately. I've been anxious about everything. I stay up at night watching police videos, trying to wrap my head around what's going on, wrap my head around why we can't move in the right direction, wrap my head around what I can do to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. I'm going to I'm going to be real honest with everybody. I'm going to I'm going to keep it 100 real quick. It's tough for me to leave my house some days. It's tough for me to put my girls in the car and drive away with them thinking is this going to be the last time I drive my car? That's what it is. That's where I am. When you look at the news, when you look at the media, it's obvious to see what's going on. We have a broken system. And that doesn't mean that a lot of the system doesn't work. That doesn't mean that most of the system doesn't work. But we do have parts of the system that are broken. And not only are they broken, we have millions of people who think it's not. We have a large portion of our population who believes the system is working like it should. Who believes that, hey, if you just comply, everything will be fine. And then we see the unfortunate events in Virginia last week. Well, we, we, 
We saw it for the first time last week. Actually happened in December of 2020. But Lieutenant Karen Nazaro got pulled over by cops in Windsor, Virginia. And Windsor's not too far from where I used to live in Virginia. And if you haven't seen the video, it's difficult to watch for me. And I'll just explain it really quick, but the lieutenant was driving his newly acquired vehicle, paper plates. And as a lot of dealerships do, the paper plates were not in a license plate frame. They were taped to the back glass. Late at night, cop puts his lights on, proceeds to attempt to pull him over. The lieutenant, seeing what's going on in the world, seeing what's going on in the country, decides, okay, I'm just going to wait to pull over into a well-lit gas station just so I can protect myself. Does this at a low speed, using blinkers, finally gets about a minute and a half, two minutes later, pulls up. Immediately from one of the body cams, the officer proceeds like this is a felony traffic stop. Felony traffic stop. Jumps out. Gun out. With another cop and another cruiser doing the same. The thing about this, which is hard to understand, is right when they get to the gas station, you can clearly see the plate visible, the paper plate visible on the back glass. That's what the infraction was for. He was pulling him over because he didn't have a rear license plate. But at that time, you can see the plate. And while they're pulling him over, or while they have him pulled over, one cop is saying, get out of the car. The other cop is yelling, keep your hands where I can see them. So they're contradicting themselves. So Lieutenant Nazaro, thinking about saving his own life, thinking about wanting to go home at night, excuse me, Lieutenant Nazario, want to say it correctly, keeps both of his hands in view out of his, out of his window, does not want to lose his life that night. And I don't want to go into what happened after that. You can watch for yourself. But that really struck a nerve with me. Because about probably 15 years ago, almost the same thing happened to me. In my early to mid-20s, I used to go through bouts of insomnia. So i just take a ride through Old Town, Virginia. Sometimes I go through D.C. Sometimes I go through parts of Arlington. But when I lived in that part of the country, I used to go through bouts of insomnia. So for people familiar with that area, we have the Woodrow Wilson Bridge that goes over um, the Potomac from Virginia into Maryland. And one night, 
you know, they're building the new bridge. And I used to love watching the barges come and bring the parts for the bridge. And one night, it must have been two or three in the morning, I just could not sleep. So I said, let me take a ride. I took a ride through Old Town, and one of the barges was coming through. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. So I just parked my car, and uh, right on the side there, right side of the road in a, in a neighborhood, and I just walked to the water, and I was just watching it for about 10, 15 minutes. And security comes up behind me and has their lights on. And I see it, and I run back, and I wave. I'm like, I'm sorry, sorry, just watching the barge. I'm moving right now. So... I jump in my car and I'm driving on my way home through Old Town. Cop coming from the other direction whips around, puts his lights on. Again, it's pitch black at night. So I cruise for around 30 to 45 seconds and pull into a gas station where it was well lit. I just wanted to make sure I didn't, you know, I wasn't trying to do anything stupid. I just wanted to make sure I was protected. The cop jumps out. Now it's a black cop. Cop jumps out, very upset with me. Doesn't have his pistol out, but yells at me immediately, when I put on my flashers, you pull over. And like the stubborn 20-whatever-year-old I was, I yelled back, I'm not pulling over until I feel safe. And he didn't like that too much. So he radios in, and about three or four more cops show up. Checking my, my plates, checking my license, checking my registration, shining their lights into my car. Um, talking to me very forcefully like I committed a crime. And they explained to me that, unbeknownst to me whether this is false information or truthful information, that there had been a, a string of robberies or car break-ins in that neighborhood. And... They were just doing their due diligence. Now, am I, you know, happy that a cop talked to me that way? No. I mean, am I happy that I <laughs> that I lived to see the next day? Yes. I mean, I never felt threatened because at that point in my life, I was young and dumb and thought I was invincible and thought I could just drive my car two or three o'clock in the morning to any neighborhood anywhere in the world and I'd be fine but one or two different things happening to me could have made my interaction more like Lieutenant Nazario's interaction so when I see something like that it really just it cuts me deep because I wonder why some of those who take an oath to protect and serve end up doing the opposite. End up doing things that just make you go, why? Why? This is a traffic stop. This is a misdemeanor. This is about a license plate. He has a license plate. What about this is threatening? He has an army uniform on. He signed up to protect and serve this country. He signed up to protect our freedoms. This man has decided that he wants to be in the military. He's done one of the most patriotic things you can do. And this is how you treat him. 
And then the next day, we see a video of a white man pulling a gun on cops, dragging them in his car, and he's not shot once. He's not, he's not harmed. You always hear about them taking some people peacefully, taking some people without incident. And then we hear about them fatally shooting, mistaking a, a gun for a taser or vice versa. I'm not gonna lie, this shit is hard. In the words of Shannon Sharp, and he's a, he's a guy I've really started to like a lot. I like his commentary. Um, I'll be honest, I love his love of LeBron James, but he said something that I I was trying to say, but I couldn't say it as well as he did. But basically, he says if you're a person who says I have black friends basically to validate your racist behavior. And you can't empathize with the plight blacks are going through right now. You don't have black friends. You know black people. And that is perfect. He hit the nail right on the head. I've, I've, tr- I've been trying to say, you know, something like that. In the past, I've said if, if you use the phrase, I have black friends, and I'm the person that pops up in your head. We're, we're not friends. We are not friends. Don't don't use me as your pawn to validate your racism. With everything that's been going on with the recent shooting of Dante Wright in Minnesota, where the where the cop stated that she mistook her service pistol for her taser, which don't look the same, don't feel the same, or on opposite sides of your belt. Listen, you can say what you want to say, and you can you can beat me up for saying, Mark, you don't know how hard it is to be a cop or how hard it is to do this or whatever, and you don't understand the stress that they're under. You're absolutely right I don't. And I could never, and that's why I'm not a cop. I know I would not be a good cop because of situations like this. I would probably fold under pressure. I know better than to be a cop. It would be a bad idea for me to be on the streets as a cop. Bad idea. I know that. I have enough awareness to understand that. For some reason, I feel in my life, I am right where I need to be. At home, doing this, working on the weekdays, taking care of my wife and my daughters, being able to see them get on the bus and get off the bus, I am right where I need to be. 
But if you're a white person or a person who just doesn't really understand what's going on and you can't empathize with a group of people fearing for their life, fearing a justice system that historically has done things to keep them down. If you don't have empathy to see how you can tell a group of people to just comply, just do what you're told and you'll be fine. But then you'll see hundreds of white people lead an insurrection of our capital and almost nothing happened to them. They have to be arrested after the fact, those who are arrested. If you can't have empathy for a group that has been demonized, that has been disenfranchised, that has been kicked at every turn, that has been enslaved, that has been dealt blow after blow after blow. That's the part of all this that upsets me the most. That's the part of all this that I just don't understand. And again, I've talked in the past about my over-empathetic nature. That's just, that's my stripes. That's who I am. I can't, I've learned to live with it. That's how I'm built. That's how my brain works. That's how my heart works. I am overly empathetic. And I just don't understand how someone can show such little empathy for a group of people who just want justice and equal and civil rights. You know, civil rights. Michael Che, the comedian, said it best. Civil rights. Do we understand what that means? Civil. The word civil. That's not even high. That's not even really up there. Civil is just kind of there. You know, when you ask somebody, when you plead with somebody, hey man, just be civil. You're not asking them to be great. You're not asking them to be exemplary. You're not asking them to go above and beyond. You're asking them to be civil. That's crazy. Honestly, if you're listening to me right now and a part of you is just like, I'm just so fed up with black people talking about this. I'm so fed up. If they would just do what they're told, if they would just comply with police, why do they have to make everything so hard? I have news for you. You're probably never going to get it. I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse, but you're probably never going to get it. I mean, the year is 2021. We have cell phones that have cameras everywhere. We have recordings of everything. People cannot get away from being recorded. We have laws on the books. We have liberties. We have things in place made to protect us. 
but it seems like they're not. They're not protecting us. You know, we we have this high, high expectation of America as a nation, of the people of the United States. What we call it is American exceptionalism. American exceptionalism. I just want to read what that means. What the... What the what the term means? It's a political ideology. In American exceptionalism is the theory that the United States is inherently different from other nations. This stems from its emergence from the American Revolution, becoming what the political scientist Seymour Martin Lipset called the first new nation, and developing a uniquely American ideology. Americanism. I Listen. If we do have American exceptionalism that came out of the Revolutionary War, you know, at that time, or even before that time, we were taking land from the Native Americans. We were enslaving groups of people. Slavery was legal. Slavery is built into the DNA of this country. Slaves built this country. That is that that that's the truth. That's the obvious truth. I say obvious because I mean we can all see it. But some of us just don't want to believe it or some of us just don't want to talk about it. Someone, some of us don't even want to even mention the fact that the Civil War was fought over slavery. Oh, it was fought over the rights of Southerners, the rights of states, blah, blah, blah. Hey, no. No, no, no. That is not an opinion. I don't have to I don't have to say, "Oh, well, your opinion matters as much as I do." No, that is not an opinion that is just false. The Civil War was fought over slavery. That's it. And since the abolition of slavery, there have been more laws more social norms, more social mores that have gone into place, including Jim Crow, that have done everything they can to keep the black man in his quote-unquote place. To keep the black woman in her quote-unquote place. That's just facts. That's not me making stuff up. That's not me having a political opinion. That's just facts. And then we still have modern day slavery. The 13th Amendment. We still have, you can still hold slaves if it's in a penitentiary. If it's because they're in jail. They are allowed to be slaves. Again, I'm not making this up. 
Do you want me to read the 13th Amendment? I mean, it's... It, it's... it's. <laughs> Listen. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Basically saying you can't own slaves unless they've been convicted of a crime. Then they can be slaves. So we still have slave legal slavery on the books. I didn't, I didn't want to go down this path this week. I promise you I didn't. But the way I've been feeling lately, I can't, I can't break this. I'm not kidding. I stayed up till 3 a.m. in the morning one night watching police interaction videos. I had a deep conversation with multiple people about Lieutenant Nazario's encounter with the police, his traffic stop, and what entailed. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm stressed. Like this has got me on edge every waking moment of my day. I talked to my therapist about it. I was almost in tears. I have two children, two daughters, two mixed daughters. I can't even imagine what it's like raising a black male right now. Raising a black child, because at what point do they become a threat? What point do they stop becoming beautiful black babies, beautiful black boys? And when do they start becoming a threat? Is it 13? Is it 15? Is it 18? At what time, at what age do they become a threat? Tamir Rice was 12 years old. When he was shot by police in Cleveland, Ohio, he was shot within seconds of the cops getting there because he was carrying a replica toy gun. How many parents let their kids play with toy guns? I mean, it's... And here's the thing about it. If, if you're saying, oh, well, the... the the cops, the cops had every right because he was carrying a gun. Ohio is an open carry state. Like whether or not you thought he had a gun in that state, he's allowed to. I just, I'm, 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 again... You again, people. I'm. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm just so. I'm just so stressed out right now. I'm just so on edge right now. I really. I want some of my shows to be uplifting. I want people to understand how we can cope with mental health. Health. How we can help others. How we can explore our triggers, understand our triggers, how we can use meditation and mindfulness techniques. I want I want to do all that. I really do. But I am I am so frustrated and I am so tired. And I just I just want 
I just want to work through this. I just want people to be better. I want people to understand the human side of things. I want people to understand the humanity of things. People have lost their lives. People have lost loved ones. For someone to jump on a page so quickly after hearing of Tamir Rice and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and um, um, you know George Floyd and Dante Wright to immediately say, oh, if they had just complied, oh, they're a gangbanger, oh, he shouldn't have been breaking the law. If that is your first inclination and you don't understand that a human lost their life, that a human took somebody else's life, that people's lives are ruined, that people's lives are changed forever, that there is another break in the relationship between cops and the public. If your first thought is to jump on and try to be the person that says, hey, if they just complied, come on, man. This isn't racist. This isn't sexist. This isn't blah, blah, blah. This isn't xenophobic. This isn't, you know, transphobic, homophobic. This isn't this. This isn't that. If they had just complied and listened to what they should have done, they would be alive. Oh, what about, you know, Breonna Taylor? Oh, if she wasn't, you know, dating a drug dealer, involved with a drug dealer, wasn't involved in drugs, nothing was there. Well, if she was in a better part of the the neighborhood or if they had just come to the door like they were supposed to, like, at what point, what do we need to say for you to understand? Because right now it doesn't seem like anything could happen. Because once the insurrection happened, y'all were quiet. Y'all were real quiet. But once a black person does something, you want to speak up. You want to talk about it. I feel like right now what I need to do is carry a sign with me everywhere I go detailing my discretions as a younger person. Just so when and if anything ever happens to me, it's out in public view before anybody else has to dig into my past for it. You can figure out that I, you know, had an issue with my taxes back in 2004 and 2005. You know, I had an unpaid speeding ticket when I moved to Virginia as a 22-year-old. Like, I feel like I need to list all that stuff out so it doesn't have to come out after the fact. Just stop it. Stop it with what you are doing, what you are saying. It's embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself. I need... I'm sorry. I need to stop because I really... Black people, we have allies. We do. I've had so many people reach out to me in the last few days and ask how I'm doing. I've had so many people really wonder what's going on in this country, really want us to fix our broken systems, really want justice for people like Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, 
Tamir Rice. Dante Wright. We want justice. And not only do we want justice, we want change. We want change. To anybody listening who thinks I was way off the base, who thinks that everything I just said was wrong and I need to get a grip and I don't know what it's like and, you know, all the other talking points. I really have nothing to say to you. I don't argue with fools because from a distance, you can't tell who is who. So I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to wish you the best. I'm going to wish you clarity in your life. I'm going to, I'm going to wish you positivity. I'm not going to put any negativity on anybody. There's enough of that in the world. So please, from the bottom of my heart, every one of you, take care of yourselves. Tell the ones in your life that mean the most to you, you love them often. Give them hugs, squeeze them. Make sure they know how much you appreciate them. And I'll talk to you guys later. Take care. Relatively Normal is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Paisant. And as always, if you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you.